Foxy down Kentucky. Sorry much for your time. Really appreciate you talking to me. Now in the world of OCR, we are just one week away where the season kicks off in the Middle East. And what I'm really curious to find out, Duncan, is there is a massive mega event in the world of obstacle course race taking place next year in Saudi Arabia. So definitely want to have a chat about all of those things. Now before we start, Duncan, just wanted to check, you know, how has your day been so far? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been busy. Uh, you know, it starts pretty early for me. You know, with the uh, season in in uh, full swing now, I like to get my workout done first thing in the morning, um, so it's out of the way. Uh, you know, we've just recently moved offices, so we're, we're now office based. We kind of during the pandemic time, we kind of went through to many companies um, going, you know, working from home, and uh, you know, but I'm actually quite happy to be back in an office again. We've uh, I think you're actually in one of the pictures. In fact, I know you're in one of the pictures in our office wall. In one, oh, okay. of, the pre- one of the previous Tough matters, I think it was the probably the Hatsa one from last year. Yeah. You should come and visit and have a look. So, Absolutely, yeah. 100% will do that. One thing we know I'm extremely passionate about is Tough Mudder. Ice cold beer and death metal and all of these three things here, they make a perfect combination. Now, Duncan, everyone who has done Tough Mudder events in the Middle East, they definitely know who you are and one of the reasons why they know you is because you're the MC and the host and you're if not the most polite person you're energetic everyone knows who you are but for our listeners who are probably going to be doing tough mother for the very first time and most likely we're going to be having quite a lot of international visitors next year can you just briefly run through them about your individual profile and one thing which you touched based upon regarding workout I think what our listeners should do is, you know, follow you on Instagram and see the massive bodybuilding machine that you're at. So can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself? Yeah, so it's actually funny. So I want to just comment on this whole idea of me being an MC because it's, it's actually not a comfortable space for me. Uh-huh. And I'll, t- I'll tell you how it happened. We, when we started with the Tough Mudder brand um, all those years ago, you know, we were really, it was a new experience for us, a new business and, uh, and funds were really tight. And so by the time we got to the, just out of the event day, we, we realized we didn't have an MC. So we kind of, we were drawing straws from within the team to say who was, who was going to, who was going to MC the event. And I, I kind of drew the short straw and uh, it was a, it was a truly nerve wracking experience at first one, but it's kind of stuck, right? And here we are six years later, I'm, you know, I still the MC and now I have quite a lot of fun. Obviously do it with the NASA Al Rushdie, who's been mm-hmm. with us at the beginning. Um, super funny guy and uh yeah we have a lot of fun um and it's interesting because because i look after the commercial side of the of the tough matter and i you know i'm kind of very um customer facing just in our day-to-day operations you know um i always tell them teams that are going to book with us i'm like if i know you i'm going to pick on you on race day and uh, <laughs> and i do um yeah so but my history in uh in in um uh, oh. <laughs> two of them running around. I actually, found, I actually found that in the gym parking lot about a year ago. Oh, that's sweet. It's just gonna stay. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I've, um, so I've, I've always been very into sports. Um, you know, when I when I finished my studies, I went into the insurance industry of all things, um, which was absolutely terrible. I can't deal with wearing a suit on a daily basis, and uh, um, so I, I get to live my passion, right? So I, I get to um, work in the sports field. Um, I'm not a young guy anymore. I'm 48 now, but I was, I'm still pretty active. Um, not really into the competitive bodybuilding anymore. Um, still work out every day, though. Um, 
at the moment I'm actually training for a, a white collar boxing event, which is, oh, the, which is on the 6th of December. New challenge. I like having something to train for. Uh, you know, so now it's a little bit more, I'm a little bit more focused on uh, getting fit and getting cardio in there. So well, it's just fun. You know, any sport is great. Uh, I still play a little bit of rugby as well. But anything, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm up for anything. You know, like uh, it's sport related, you know, just counting in there. So I love it. I love it all. So super fortunate, you know, work in the industry, participate in it, and uh, yeah, it's like living the dream. Absolutely. And one thing, you know, which uh, you touched upon is passion. Now, what I've experienced, Duncan, in my experience is that people have got passion, but very few of them are good at the passion as well. And knowing you personally as well, I do have this feeling that you have passion for certain things, but at the same time, you're good at it as well. So that is, you know, an absolutely brilliant and great combination. Now, can you tell the listeners, as in, when did you move to Dubai and what was the decision making to move to Dubai? So I was in, uh, before I moved out to the Middle East, it wasn't, it wasn't Dubai initially, I moved out to Muscat in Amman. Uh, uh -huh. 2013 and it was actually just on the back of a, of a random offer that I received um, online um, I so I was, I was involved in, in government work back in South Africa and uh, I got you know somebody reached out to me on LinkedIn and said like hey would you be interested in an opportunity in the Middle East um, which was as the uh, chief commercial officer of the Arch Fitness chain and I'm um, looking for a new challenge and I you know that time they said it's in Muscat you know so I, so I said yeah sure I'll, I'll come uh, and then I had to Google Muscat to see where it was. I'd never heard of it before. Um, but it was uh, it was an interesting journey. You know, as a as a South African, I traveled to the Middle East, and I remember on the plane having this uh, this kind of this fear of you know is my international is my experience and my education going to be enough for an international market? And when I got there, it was actually it was it was a relief to see that I think I could that I could actually make an impact and I could add value in in what I did. And at that point, back in in Muscat, um, there were no, no, not really any events. You know, there were definitely no OCR events. I'd never worked in OCR, but I'd participated in a few. Uh, I, I participated in in a brand called Warrior, um, which yeah. is back in South Africa, and uh, not not to be confused with the Warrior that's out here. Um, uh -huh. But but they were pretty much, you know, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but they were pretty much a copy paste of Tough Mudder. Um, and uh, and I remember flying in on the airplane and looking out the window and just looking at the topography and going, this would be so awesome for OCR, right? And uh, and then when I got there, there were like no events. So at that stage, which was in around 2015, I uh, I'd reached out to Tough Mudder, I reached out to Spartan, I reached out to Warrior Group in South Africa. Said, hey, listen, is anybody interested in coming to Oman? And uh, Tough Mudder at the time said no. Um, the um, Warrior guys also weren't too keen, but Spartan, um, Spartan were keen. So at that stage, that was my first kind of experience of uh, sporting events, uh, arrange, or being involved in arranging sporting events. And um, the cool thing about it, and the reason I ended up in the industry was because I can remember on the day before the event, standing on the site and just, and it was all coming to life. I could physically see this thing being built. And just thinking, wow, like six months ago, this was just some crazy idea. I was just sitting around a boardroom table going, hey, we should do some events, right? What should we do? And the motivation for doing an event at the time was to drive revenue into our um, gym business. And um, But then this event came to life, and it was just like, this is so cool. I want to do this. You know, like, I want to be involved in this. 
pretty important with uh, in natural with uh, sports in Arabia at the time, the second the second year. The um, you know it was the first OCR event uh, and one of the first international brands actually to deliver events in in Oman, uh, and it just went down really really well because it was so much fun um, and. And then there was an opportunity for us to, uh, through a, a financial backer at the time, to um, to get the Tough Mudder license. Still at that stage, that was uh, by a company in Oman, and we were employees. You know, so um, but they believed in what we what we're doing. Um, and uh, shortly after that, we came to Dubai. Um, I actually came to Dubai because of visa issues in Oman, to be honest. Um, so the initial plan was to. Was to deliver just the tough matter in Oman, and and you know we we had vision of Dubai, but you know it was kind of in the future. But because I was here, and while I was sorting out my visa, started having some uh, preemptive conversations, and you know just closed some deals pretty quickly. And that's kind of how tough matter was born for us. Uh, it was in Oman, and and then here in Dubai. Yeah, and it's kind of um, you know that's kind of the was the genesis of it uh, in Dubai. Um, COVID was. Uh, was particularly unkind to our sector. Um, you yeah. Know, you know, we are we're a sports business that operates in the Middle East and it's mass participation. So we only generate revenue for around seven months of the year. The um, you know the other other five months we try very hard. Um, but we don't, you know we don't do do very much. Um, and uh, so we have to be successful. We have to do good events. We need good participation. We need good partners. For the season, COVID obviously was a two-year period where we generated no revenue. The business that I was employed employed by lost an appetite, you know, to continue, um, but it created an opportunity for us to do a management buyout. So we acquired the brand, um, and uh, you know, last year was our first full year of operations doing events, and uh, we were super fortunate. You know, we just uh, we had some great support from government agencies in both the, the UAE and also Saudi, um, and that that support has continued and grown. And you can kind of, if you just look at the types of, of events that we're doing, the number of events, we can our evolution as a business is quite obvious. Um, you know, we're doing much bigger events now. Um, yeah. The Alula event is our kind of our crown jewel, um, which we'll do in February next year. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute. Bit more detail in a bit, but just we've just been very blessed, very, very super fortunate. Year two of operation will will show a relatively good profit this year as a business, which you know something you can't overlook as a business. You know, it's 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 a great thing to be doing what you love, but you've got to feed your family. You know, we've got exactly. a we're a full team time team of uh, fifteen people now. You know, and we have a responsibility to those people to make sure that we we are successful as a business as well. Absolutely, yeah. And one of the restrictions that we have in the Middle East is because of the climate as well, isn't it? Because absolutely. six months of the time, the weather is absolutely ridiculous. Now, I was a bit surprised to know that, you know, you were part of the Spartan race in Oman, because what I do is when I do interviews with athletes, and believe it or not, six out of ten of them do actually say that the best OCR that they've ever done was in Oman. And this was, you know, going before the COVID-19 era as well. So thank you so very much for that. Now, let's talk about Tough Mudder Duncan in UAE. Now, the season is kicking off and we have quite a lot of events coming up. Now, one event which is starting is on the 14th of October. So can you tell our listeners what is it that they can expect on the event that is taking place this weekend? 
Sure. So, so the so this is our second year in Kajera. Um, we are actually a a Kajera um, based company, believe it or not. We're not Dubai based, and we're all living in Dubai, but we're Kajera based. So it's our, our kind of our, our home. Yeah, Fajira is a it's it's not an it's not an easy destination because it's one of the lesser known Emirates. You know, uh, Rack have obviously positioned themselves. Um, Russell came have positioned themselves as the adventure Emirate, so people kind of know that. You know, weekend away, do some adventurous stuff. You know, Fajira are um, are en route to a sim to a similar have a similar goal. Fajira Adventure Park is absolutely beautiful. I think from a from a topography and geographical perspective, I think Fajira has the potential to be one of our most amazing events. But it is a process of education, and we've got to educate people you know, about Fajira, about everything that's there. <clears throat> I was on site on the weekend, this last weekend. The course is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, I think people are going to be in. Uh, there's a lot of elevation, you know, no flat running. So. You know, when we were working out the timings for the event, well, let's probably add on an extra 15 or 20 minutes for the event. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I very specifically remember when I did the event last year at Fajera, or it was earlier this year, I believe, yeah. there is a tunnel which is roughly around 200 or 300 meters long. And I think our international audience should definitely check it out because while you're running at 8 or 9 a.m. in the morning, you go through a tunnel and it's pretty much dark at that part of yeah. time. So, you yeah. know, some of them were claustrophobic. You know, they do still manage to do it because it is a cycling track kind of a way. So yeah. absolutely brilliant location. And you mentioned about, you know, the uphill and downhill. That's that, tunnel, that tunnel is a funny story. When we, the first time we started looking at Fajero as a potential location, I, I was on site and I walked through that tunnel. And I was like, we are running through this tunnel. You know, and, uh, and uh, my operations team get very nervous when I, when I make site visits because I'm like, we're going to do this. And then <laughs> You know, health and safety, like, you know, I'm like, got to make it happen. Um, so that tunnel's pretty cool, right? And, and if I'm not mistaken, Duncan, the last time when there was an event in Fujiro Adventure Park, a night before there was a storm as well, right? Yeah. We, we've actually got a, we've got a history of this happening to us, right? We've um, So Fujiro, we had a, it was a massive windstorm. Everything blew away, you know, the next day. It wasn't a great day for our sponsors who are always very interested in, you know, the, the fence covers and their flags and what branding and we, we couldn't have any of it up because everything blew away and you know if anything we try to put up and even on the day of the event the winds were pretty much at gale force um so we the guys worked through the night uh, to to set it up again uh, it's happened to us more than once actually it's uh we had it in, in russell camel one year also they it flooded you know yeah. like just had the un, unusually high seasonal tide and uh, you know we we finished the event. Uh, it was this was still early days, so this was only our second or third event we'd ever done. I, I think it may have been our first one in UAE, if I remember correctly. And uh, we were we set up 24 hours before. Oh great, guys are going to get some sleep. And then uh, and then we got the news that the whole thing had washed away. And uh, so it's you know, touch touch wood. Uh, Absolutely, it's got to be fine. And I think the team is so adaptive, you know, in order to get things done rather than just, you know, holding it back. And what our international audience should know is that when we did the Fujira Adventure Park event, I remember taking a shower at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I was shivering because a lot of the people in the U.S. and U.K. might be under the impression that it's going to be ridiculously hot. It definitely is not hot most of the time of the year as well. Yeah, so well the event was absolutely fantastic. I can, I can, you're starting to feel it now already, right? The, uh, <laughs> the temperatures are dropping a little bit, so... Um... Yeah, so it's, uh, it's going to be a good one this weekend. I'm looking forward to Fujera. 
out here. And what advice Dan could really have to, let's say, someone who's trying to do the Dark Mode event for the very first time, do you have any special advice for them? Just come and do it, right? It's like, yeah. you know, so often I will talk to people and they're like, oh, I haven't trained, I'm not ready. I'm like, it's almost like having a baby. Are you never really ready? <laughs> you can read the books, you can do the exercise, but just come and do it. It's uh, And you've been to events, and you, you know my standard fare on when I'm up on stage emceeing. Who's doing 5K? Who's doing 10K? Everybody puts up their hand for 5K. I'm like, no, today you're doing a 10K. Right. That, is, that is one of the icing on the cake, you know, and as I mentioned, I do know a lot of colleagues, you know, they often talk about, you know, the host was really cool and nice. He was, you know, professional and you always give high five to other people, which does make a lot of difference, you know, to people who are kind of nervous as well. So thank you so very much for that. Yeah. Now let's talk about uh, the event that is taking place in Dubai. Now a lot of obstacle coasting events don't actually take place in Dubai, but you're doing the event in Dubai and you're doing it for two days back right. to back. So yeah. what was the decision-making process going on? And can you tell our listeners about the event in Dubai? So, so what we've learned over the years is the um, our proximity to, to Dubai, to the center of Dubai, um, has an impact on how many people will come. So literally since we've been in Dubai, I've really wanted to do the Jebel Ali race course, which is you know as, as center as you can get, right? Um, yeah. That property belongs to His Highness, um, um, Sheikh Mohammed, and uh, you know, and it's not an easy. It's not easy to get permission to go. That's good. We were granted permission this year, and we decided to um, to very aggressively market it as one of the hero events for the Dubai Thirty Thirty, which you know is an, another initiative by Sheikh Mohammed to you know get Dubai active for thirty days uh, of, of the month. So you know, we're going to have a build up. You'll you'll see on the marketing channels in the next. Um, in the next weeks, we'll be doing some free workouts, giving out some free T-shirts and some free kits, um, and uh, and we we're doing very well. I think we've, we've sold around four thousand tickets already across the two days. Um, and uh, the Sunday, the Sunday is is not quite selling quite as well, uh, or not as well. It's not the right word. It's it's um, a little bit less than the than the Saturday, but we've got a couple of really big corporates coming through on the Sunday. Um, We've actually did a, a really interesting deal today with uh, uh, Dog Adventure HQ. So they've got two dedicated heats for people that want to run with their dogs, which is something wow. new. So we're putting in some operational, uh, some extra, uh, you know, um, uh, obstacles and some, you know, um, operational contingencies for them. Uh, so that's something new that we're going to do. So we, we're expecting around 500 people to come and run with their dogs um, in a dedicated time. So it doesn't interfere yeah. with anybody else. Um, and then uh, we will have a very large group of people from the Dubai police who will also be joining us for that event. Um, so we're expecting eight to 10,000 people across the two days. That is absolutely massive. And I do remember the event that actually take place, or that our other took place in Dubai Festival City. That had the massive uh, donuts as well, right? So that's the biggest one we've done, and that was 6,000 people on a day. Um, and yeah. that was also as part of the Dubai 3030. Um, yeah. Which was, it was the first year that the Dubai 3030 did a paid event, um, which which we'd encouraged them to do at the time. Subsequent to that event, that kind of became their model to to do a lot of out, uh, kind of external paid events. Um, you know, so it, it was quite important for us in terms of how we partnered with Dubai Thirty Thirty in order to make it a, a, a successful event and to get those numbers. 
Um, so we work very closely with the Department of um, uh, Tourism um, to, uh, you know, to make sure that, you know, we get the necessary marketing support and the ne necessary exposure to justify a two-day event. That is absolutely great. And uh, what I wanted to find out next is, Duncan, about uh, Tough Mudder Infinity that is going to take place on the 24th of February. But before that, let's talk about another event that is taking place in the second quarter of next year. That is on the 20th of April. And that is Russell Kmart. And as you mentioned earlier, we briefly talked about the location. I personally think that the location in Russell Kmart is absolutely beautiful. So can you give us a brief information about that event? Because I believe you've done quite a lot of events at that location, right? Yeah, so so um, the, that's been the Mina Al Arab um, uh, location. We, so we were partnered there with Rack Properties. The plat belongs to them. We had a multi-year multi -year deal with them, which is now finished. So this uh, forum for April's event next year, we will move that event. And, and it's going to Jebel Chase. Um, so okay which I think is just going to be spectacular. You know, it's just the views are going to be unbelievable. So yeah. it's going to be great for the gram, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I think what an international audience should do is, you know, go to YouTube or go to just Google or Instagram and just look at Jebel Jace. Yeah. Mean, the Instagram pictures is going to be absolutely, absolutely wild. Now, that is a bit of a surprise because I was under the impression that it is at Mina Al Arab, but Jebel Jace is absolutely yeah. even better. You know, so yeah. thank you so much for that. We've got, we've got some uh, incredible locations that we're currently engaged with. Um, and uh, I won't give away too many secrets, but if people go and Google um, ABBA, which is A-B-H-A, Saudi Arabia, just on YouTube, not Google, just go into YouTube and put Saudi Saudi Arabia ABBA, and just have a look at the, at the video content that you get. And I will tell you that the average temperature in summer is 24 degrees Celsius. That is in summer. That is in summer. So oh, I know. So it's it's also quite close to the Yemeni border. So a similar topography to Salala, which is obviously with Spartan Arabia have a series of events there. Yeah. But um, I mean, it's just like I hope we get that one right. We, we're currently in discussions um, with the governor of Asi province to to do something there. Um, so watch the space for summer. Absolutely. What I'm going to do is in the show notes, I'll definitely go and provide that YouTube link so yeah. that, you know, our international audience in particular, they can at least be aware about the different climates uh, that we have in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the Middle East as well. Now let's talk about the big question, Duncan, that is Tough Mother Infinity. So can you tell our listeners what is Tough Mother Infinity and what is it that local as well as international athletes can expect from the event? Okay, so... Infinity, uh, so, so Tough Mudder, as you know, um, is, um, is, is cons promotes ourselves, we promote ourselves as a challenge rather than a race. So there's, no, there's generally no timing at the events um, unless there's a specific request from a partner. Um, however, in the, in the US and Europe, they run um, three, three versions of the Tough Mudder which are competitive. So that is uh, the Infinity. There is the, the uh, toughest mother and then the world's toughest mother and these events are ultra endurance events so the infinity is an eight hour endurance event the toughest is um, a 12 hour endurance event and the world's toughest is a 24 hour endurance event and essentially what you're doing is running either as an individual a team of two or a team of four continuously for the period that the course is open you're running laps and the team that has uh, done the most distance or the individual that's done the most distance when the course closes after either eight, 12 or 24 hours is the winner. 
Um, so this has never really never been run up in the in the GCC before, um, and uh, we had four years ago we had a very ambitious vision for Alula, which we presented to them, uh, and then kind of COVID happened, um, so it kind of went a little bit quiet, and, and uh, we picked up the conversation again. So the, the event is our, our Infinity event has been two years in the making, um, so and it'll be the first time essentially we're running this eight-hour uh, multi-lap. Uh, ultra endurance OCR in the Middle East. That is absolutely great. And you've already mentioned, you know, how it differentiates itself, let's say, from the 12 hour event and the 24 hour endurance event. Now, what I want to ask next is Duncan, what message do you have for international athletes who will be attending that event? Because I'm looking at the Instagram post, I think quite a lot of international athletes will definitely be attending this event. So, what is the message that you have for them? Well, before I give them the message, I just want to tell you a little bit about our approach to this event. Yeah. Um, so um, what we wanted to do is we, we're we not selling an obstacle course race for our leader. We're selling an experience, right? So we have gone to, to great, great lengths, um, you know, to, to such a such a level of detail um, in terms of looking after the people for the duration of the stay. So when you buy a ticket to come to Alula, you, you're purchasing a three-day ticket and we take um, care of you from the moment that your aircraft touches down in Alula or Medina, depending on your routing, till the time you depart. And every single detail is to, thought of to your experience when you walk into the airport, all the way through to where you sleep. So we, we're building, as an example, we're building a tented village for 1,800 people um, at, at a very, very high cost. So not not like a you know when I say tent village it's a proper glamping so bell tents with proper beds in proper linen you know um, just we're really just going over the top in terms of of the experience um, and like I said so it's a three day event so I think what people international people who may not have been exposed to Saudi Arabia um, you know, there's no way that they can anticipate how beautiful the place is and what the level of service is. We, we really, we are part of the Spartan group, as you know. We, we do compete with Spartan Arabia, Head on Hedger. Um, this event will compete with the Spartan World Championships in Abu Dhabi. And our intention, um, and no disrespect to our, our colleagues and, and, and other brands, we're going to set the bar really, really high for anybody that does these events. Um, uh, in, in in fact, we, we just want to we want to set the bar so high that it's it's almost unattainable for anyone else. So, so that's that's the message I want to get. You know, just come. We will take care of you. You're going to have an absolutely incredible experience. Um, we are um, very heavily invested in in bringing the world's top OCR athletes, um, and not only the world's top OCR athletes, but we are in um, conversations with triathletes. Top world world rated triathletes, world rated trail runners. So we're expecting a um, up to two hundred tier one athletes, um, you know, world champions, you know, to be at this event. Um, as you know, one of the big hooks we we haven't announced what the prize money is, um, but it is the biggest prize money that's ever been offered in OCR, and it's uh, in high six figures. Um, it's uh, that's massive. Yeah, it's 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 pretty massive. We'll announce it officially in the next couple of weeks. Um, and what we've done is the way we're structuring the prize money is that there's around about a hundred cash prizes. So you know, there's um, 
obviously for the individual winners and the, the, the top teams, top team of two, top team of four, you know, that, those numbers are pretty significant, but then we're doing age group categories as well. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, if you're, if you're reasonably fit, you're in with a shot to get some, some decent cash. Um, and uh, our vision, our vision for, for the Middle East, uh, not just for Saudi, is to try and create a series of these. You know, what, what we'd like to see eventually is a, um, is a, an infinity, a world's tough, uh, a toughest and the world's toughest, all, all within the season, yeah. all with some of prize money. Um, you know, the Middle East uh, are investing more in sports than, than any other region in the world. 100% yeah. And, um, and, I, and I think, you know, sport is awesome, right? You know, it's like, it's a, it's a way to showcase your country. It's, you know, so, and we, and we definitely want to be at the forefront of, of delivering absolute world-class events. Absolutely. Don't get any mention about boxing. I think yeah. right now for our international audience, you should know that when you talk about boxing right now, I think Saudi Arabia is the home for boxing right now, isn't it? You have the Tyson Fury versus Usyk fight coming up. Yep. Loads of boxing fights coming up in yeah, Saudi they, Arabia. They are, you know, the Saudis are invest, investing insane amounts of money in, in, in sport. Um, and it's actually quite interesting. So we've got, so the Alula is a separate contract. This is an international event. The objective of this event is to showcase the location, which is just so exceptionally beautiful. Um, and just, it's really, it's mind-blowingly beautiful. Um, but so they want to showcase this to the world, you know, so our marketing is, is very much, it's a, almost destination marketing, but we also have a contract with Saudi Sports for All, which is a division of the Ministry of Sports to deliver community-based events. But we've seen a shift now as these community-based events, they've created a department called the International Department, and their, and their mandate is deliver community-based events that have an international appeal. You know, so and so you can see, you know, that the vision is, you know, deliver amazing sporting events for for our people, but also, you know, let's let's you know let's showcase our country to the world, you know, and show show what we can do. Absolutely, and in the world of cryptocurrency and blockchain, Duncan, since twenty twenty three, whenever I'm trying to do any research, lately eight out of ten news is all the way from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And I'm talking about you know, artificial intelligence, I'm talking about cryptocurrency, blockchain, and now you're in the sporting industry as well. You know, and uh, I think what our international listeners should know is that they also have something called as the expo called Vision 2030 coming up. That's yeah. one of the reasons why the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia is gearing towards international audience. So, you know, thank you so much for that. But can you tell us, uh, Duncan, if you have set any timeline as to when the event would actually kick off or... <laughs> Oh, that's cute, too. Yeah. What's his name, by the way? Chloe. Her name is Chloe. Chloe. I don't know why she has this. Uh, whenever I'm in a meeting, she has this desire to come and sit on the keyboard. <laughs> that's what gets her I'm handing her off in the background, Joe. Yeah, she got past my defenses there for a sec. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to find out, you know, Duncan, are there any time slots that you guys have decided as in what time the race kicks off? Or is that just going to be decided? For the, for the Alula event. Yeah. So the, because the because this is a timed event, it, it's going to run a little bit differently from normal. Um, so the operation team are just defining exactly how it's going to work. But the what I believe at the moment is the infinity runners will. Uh, so the, the five k and ten k runners will run first uh, early in the morning. Uh, it'll be like a six thirty start. 
Um, there will only be a few waves because we're expecting the majority of the athletes to be um, international athletes running the infinity. Um, so when they get back, there'll be a, there'll be a 30 minute window, and then we'll set off the individuals in one group, and it'll be a large group. We're expecting 600 plus people, and then the team of two also set them off as a group 15 minutes later. But you're probably going to run a five or 10 kilometer soft sand run before any off obstacles. Uh, so okay. once you've done that lap, then you'll go onto the course. This is typically done for the uh, Infinity type products, you know, just to kind of separate the people a little bit, so there's no congestion yeah. at the obstacles. Um, but we will make those decisions closer to the time once we've got final numbers, just just to just to manage the numbers on the course. We, we are obviously we're going through a whole whole fit out, so we we're building all new obstacles for it, and um, and we will scale them up to you know just to manage the numbers. The Alula event is limited to 1,800 people. That's the maximum capacity, which is which is pretty low uh, in terms of numbers. Uh, and this is just because of the accommodation restriction. Um, so we built, like I said, we're building a, a tented camp that can accommodate 1,800 people. Um, but uh, yeah, but I mean, there are some hotels in Alula, but there are, I'll tell you now, there are all seven-star hotels. Yeah. They are very beautiful, but they are priced accordingly <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's all about the money in that yeah. area isn't it yeah yeah duncan uh as part of the tough mother events you've also been doing uh certain events that were under the spartan umbrella such as the deca series and i did my deca event and i think it was it was if not one of the best events that actually took place and you were doing the spartan trail series as well now based on your experience what i wanted to find out is you know what is the changes that you've observed in terms of registrations and also the quality of athletes joining in. Yeah, so the, this, you know, specifically on the on that on that Deca brand, you know, uh, quite a lot of the um, OCO, historic OCR athletes, especially the guys that ran competitively in Spartan, who were always aiming for podiums, have migrated to that hybrid racing. Exactly. Uh, yeah. you know, so they, you know, Turf Games, High Rocks, you know, um, are, are, are brands that are performing relatively well. Um, Deca, you know, we, we ran four events. Uh, um, the the challenge with that for us is, is around throughput, around how many numbers you can get get through. So we, we are in the process of working a relaunch on, on that. Um, so watch the space. Um, it's going to be a little bit different from what you've experienced before. Um, it's going to be kind of our version of, of hybrid, of a hybrid race, um, which we think the, the, the market will like. Um, and also then uh, and mitigate some of those throughput issues. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, in in our we're of the opinion that there's kind of there's there's um, there's kind of channels or silos that you know in this in this space. So one of them is the OCR, um, yeah. and there's the the hybrid racing, and then there's the trail running. So we're of the opinion that you should be offering a version of each of these things. Uh, you know, um, and, and you can do them successfully. You know, the, the thought process at the moment is, do we run these all on a weekend? Or do we run them as standalone events? So we're, we're currently conducting uh, quite intensive market research uh, to see what the market wants. Um, because, you know, it's interesting, like, you've got to have an event that is difficult enough for your elite athletes so that they're going to battle and it's going to be a real challenge for them. But at yeah. the same time, you need to serve the general population who, you know, who are interested in fitness, but you know, are, are 
you know, weekend warriors or, or you know it's not their full-time thing um but there's some amazingly interesting developments in that space so uh you know, just keep an eye on our socials absolutely and one of the advantage i guess of having hybrid events is that you can have it closed doors as well so you know you don't need to worry about especially the climate in the middle east and that's a good thing yeah i think i think that i think the next one we will run um don't hold me to this it's still it's still early conversations is probably Mm -hmm. during ramadan with we're looking at potentially ramadan challenge the format we're considering for that is to have three weekends of qualification rounds um and and then on the fourth weekend the close-up weekend is to is to have the actual full build of the okay. event. um but only only potentially have 400 potentially 400 people qualify for that so you've got to come through the three weeks which is really going to be multi-disciplined um you know and and only the top 400 qualify for that final event um so we, we're just um We've kind of designed the event. We've we've put it all together. We're just um, we we're just waiting for certain approvals on location and stuff like that. But you know, hopefully that that goes that goes ahead because um, I think that'll be that'll be super fun, right? So Duncan, one of the listeners did actually ask. So during the Tough Model Infinity race, will there be medals being given out, and do we have like a break to go and eat something during that event? Yeah. So so basically, the um, for the Infinity runners, there is. Um, because the, because of the prize money on the line and because of the quality of the athletes it's going to be managed quite strictly um so if i can just give you an overall perspective of the experience so um, there'll be multiple staff le- uh, members at all obstacles there will be cameras on all obstacles um, the runners will be gps tracked um, if somebody skips in, so basically it works you'll get uh say 10, 10 wristbands on your arm if you miss an obstacle because you can't do it, um, when you get to the, at the end of every lap, there will be somebody who will check how many wristbands you've got. So say you started with 10 and now you've got eight, you missed two, there's two penalties. So there's, okay. a, pen, there's a penalty area, um, which, you will, which will, should amount to slightly more time than it would have taken you to do the obstacle. Got it, yeah. At, at this, at, you can run consistently for eight hours if you want to take a break there is a specific rest area that we're building for um for the infinity runners and like i said earlier you know there's this absolute attention to detail so there will be various food stuffs there there will be um uh, ice baths massage therapists you can lie down and have a nap you know so so there'll be a fully catered rest rest area that will be managed um the way it works like for a team of four it's you know all four of you can be running one person can be running what we will do is will be the cumulative distance of all the team you know for the for okay, the first it, yeah. Of them. but yeah absolutely we, we we're catering very well for people that that need to take risk and then can in arranging these events what are some of the challenges do you think uh, you know you tend to face and are there any external factors which we as audience are not aware about yeah, so, so if if you look at it, like I said, um, I was chatting to you earlier about about just the the complexities of running a, a sporting business in the Middle East around you know your limited season, which is which you know you're you're highly restricted by the weather conditions, can't control that. <clears throat> so, if you look at the way that we generate revenue, you know we get government support, not always. Generally, we get some government support, whether it's from the Ministry of tourism or a ministry of sports and we get sponsor revenue and then we get ticketing revenue so 
the, the getting it right, getting the kind of the locations locked in for a specific date in time where there's a little bit of an apathy uh, in the summer months here, even from the locations kind of, well, you know, we'll sort it out, we'll sort it out. So getting those locations locked in, you know, getting the events on sale in time. And also, if you think we run from our, our season from October to April, you know, and if, and if companies have got a, a budget, uh, you know, financial year that runs from, uh, you know, January to December, you know, when we start seeking sponsorship, it's near the end of the financial year already. True. Yeah. So, that, so that, that sometimes provides um, challenges for us. We're obviously always seeking, you know, multi-year, you know, sponsorship deals. Um, they, they're quite difficult to come by. So, you know, so the, the challenges are all around, you know, kind of trying to get the balance of doing great events, you know, while generating enough revenue. Um, you know, so, so that's, that's really it. It's, um, you know, it's just, it's the planning and the, and the, and the, and the, um, and the timetable, getting that, getting that right. And, at the, and also at the moment, an interesting thing is we've had, like on the back of the launch of Alula, which has given us an amazing international exposure, we've had in the last week or two, a, a lot of government agencies reaching out to us saying, hey, listen, we want to do something similar. And our news are in other countries in the GCC. And now it's like, well, you know, we've got seven months. How many events can we do in seven months? I, I imagine what will happen in, in the near future, definitely within the next two years, is we'll end up with two operations team and we'll be running multiple events at the same time. Um, so we can, be a, you know, effectively do two builds at once. Um, you know, we, we're not there yet, um, but, but I think that's imminent. That definitely sounds grand. Now, what I tend to do is, you know, Duncan, in my race based podcast, which is the, the second podcast that I have, we tend to ask athletes a question that is more catered towards the race directors. So essentially what we ask them that is that you know, if there is any feedback you'd like to give the race directors, what is it? And some of them often say that, you know, some of the obstacles are repetitive. Some of them say that, you know, there is all promise and under delivery. And this, I believe, has more to do with the prize monies and giveaways and general feedback is that, you know, there's not recognition towards, let's say, athletes' name on social media pages. So, and also now with the, the Alula event coming up, are we going to be taking all of these things into consideration when we're preparing for those? So this is a, this is a really interesting point that you bring up. Um, so the way we are we self-govern is through a net promoter score. So a net promoter score is um, obviously a global standard. Okay. Which, which we take feedback from the uh, from the public and say everybody gets surveyed post event. Um, we are obviously a license holder of the Tough Mudder brand, right? So, and we are in some ways restricted by the brand guidelines. So, so Tough Mudder is um, is positioned as a challenge in, in another race, um, and it's uh, so it's, it's generally not timed. And uh, so, some of the some of the feedback we get sometimes is, hey, listen, what is my time? Who won? Where's my medal? And, and kind of that spot as well has. We are, we are of the opinion that we, sh we should be doing timing and medals for all our events, which we're now obviously going to do at events like Alula, and we are going to do some in, in Saudi. But, but we do listen to the feedback, right? Um, this issue of non-payments of prize money is uh, something that is, in my opinion, absolutely unacceptable. This is never feedback we've had here. No, um, I know where that feedback comes from. I know why that exists. Um, and and I, you know, we've spoken to to the parties about this, right? Um, because you know, especially with Alula, 
you know, there is a brand association and we don't, we're about to announce, announce this prize money. And, um, you know, like a lot of the people that we've contracted with from a, from a marketing perspective, we've got some international partners asked us that right up front before they sign contracts with us, like you guys really going to pay the money. And the answer is absolutely yes. You know, like we, like I, like I said to you, we aim to set the bar, like it's all set the standard. Um, you know, we know who we're competing against and like, you know, we're all in the same family under the same umbrella, but you know, we, we definitely want to be the gold standard. <clears throat> in terms of the, the thing about repetitive um, obstacles, um, we try and switch them out. There, there are some that are always going to be there, kind of the, you know, um, um, we are in, like I said, we've had a, a pretty good uh, second year in terms of our um, financial, uh, in terms of our finances. So this year we have invested quite heavily in, in purchasing new kits. Um, you know, and it's, you know, as long as we continue to deliver successful events and are able to turn a decent profit, we will always reinvest, reinvest that money into, into the brand and into, into what we deliver for clients. Yeah, and some uh, local athletes, you know, when they go and do international events, they are a little bit surprised because the international events are far tougher than what UAE does. And this is not just to do with Tough Mudder. This has to do with Spartan Race. This has to do with other events as well. Now, keep yeah. all this thing in mind. Are we going to make Kaluda competitive, keeping in mind the general world-class standards as well? Yes. So, I mean, so so th there is... The, the obstacles are supposed to be standardized in terms of their size. Um, so we are given... A brief you know the if you just look at the general sporting community in the middle east it's it's still it's still a it's a young audience it's a young market um and uh you know this is something we just discuss internally a lot how can we position ourselves so that it's all these guys that do have that international experience that it's challenging for them but for people that are doing it for the first time that it's not uh too intimidating to the point of uh, you know I, i'm not going to do this um, but I think this year you'll you'll find uh, you'll be pleasantly surprised in terms of the the obstacles in that. That's definitely um, something which everyone is looking forward to. Now, Duncan, I'm from the world of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Now, what are your personal thoughts about cryptocurrencies? So I'm an old guy, right? Um, I do have, I do have. Um, so um, I've got one of the common apps, uh, Crypto.com. Um, okay. And I took advice from a friend of mine. He's like. If you're thinking about maybe going out for dinner, you know, like me, I'm going to go grab a burger. Why don't you just eat at home and take the, the 150 or 200 and buy some crypto, which I've con I, I don't really keep an eye on it. I just randomly purchase here and there. Um, sometimes I panic a little bit when I see the fluctuations. Yeah. Um, but then there's the upside of, you know, the, the other side of the fluctuation when it's in your favor. So, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I have it. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, and we'll see, you know. And are there possibility, let's say, in the near future for Tough Mud or Arabia to go ahead and accept cryptocurrencies as part of payment as well, or is that? Yeah, so so the so we are, our online payment mechanism is, uh, which has been a challenge in the past because there were limited options available in the UAE for online payments. Uh, the, we now use a company called Stripe. Um, and Stripe, uh, they had crypto functionality and then they disabled it, um, but we believe that it will be, enabled um at some point in the future and, and when it is we will we will offer that service for sure and spartan race you know just a few years ago they launched an unbreakable pass which is kind of like an nft yes do you think let's say for the lula event is there a possibility to let's say even issue nfts yeah so, that... so 
Well, I mean, that's not something we've discussed. You know, the we've we've got people, you know, even for for Jira this weekend who are racing on the unbreakable pass, um, so they registered yeah. with it. Um, yeah, but that's not not something we've really really discussed um, internally. I, I think as the as the as the shells, you're probably a little bit old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I do have one more question regarding technology, and this is something our international audience should definitely pay attention to as well. Now, there's metaverse is definitely going to go mainstream probably in the next decades time or so and Dubai is actually planning to be a leader in the world of metaverse now, I'm not sure really if you know anything but what Dubai wants to do is they want to change GDP which is gross domestic product to metaverse domestic product but do you envision a future and I wouldn't be surprised if that thing happens let's say as early as 2024 where we do have fitness events not necessarily let's say top model let's say hybrid fitness events in the metaverse. Do you think Top Model Radio will be keen in joining or being part of that? Yeah, I mean, we, we would like to, you know, um, keep up with technology, right? It's, um, you know, we were talking about the Saudis earlier, you know, in, in the investing, and they are, um, you know, the, the amount of money that they're investing into the, um, into even that, that online uh, fitness space and online gaming space or esports yeah. is, is significant. Um, we have hosted uh, two two esports tournaments in the past, uh, not related as a business as CAB Sports, which is a holding company. Okay. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you know as our team grows and and we start to take you know, tough matter and OCR and a hybrid racing is settled. We're in conversations with uh, some other mainstream brands, um, which I can't disclose yet, but are major major brands in, in their specific space. Um, you know, and as as our team grows and our in our our um, capability in terms of delivery grows, you know, we will definitely consider um, you know metaverse based events. Absolutely, and OCR, generally speaking, is kind of competitive. And in the Middle East, we have different parties, you know, doing obstacle course race events. So what I wanted to find out is, Duncan, from your point of view, do you have any message you'd like to give to fellow competitors in the space? That is to raise directors and event organizers. Yeah, I mean, what I would, what I'd like to see is us uh, communicating better as a you know as an organize as organizations you know um, to make sure that our calendars don't conflict with each other um, you know and to and just to have better communication you know um, it would also be great uh, you know if we could cross market if we were getting our calendars right and we could cross market to each other you know there is definitely crossover. We could have some fun with that. Um, the uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I would love to just encourage open communication between the various stakeholders. That is absolutely great, and by doing that, I think everyone benefits. Is the competitors who benefits, is the community who benefits, you know, it's the athletes who benefit as well. So thank nice. you so very much for that. And finally, Duncan, do you have anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners about Tough Model Radio? Yeah, I mean, I would, um, you know, if you if you live in country, if you're in the UAE, you know, come come and come and join us. Um, you know, we we just want to have, you know, when we discuss this internally, we're like, you know, what is our objective? Like, we want it to be pretty much the coolest way you can spend a day. You know, so it's not only about the about the event, the racing itself, but the festival village. You know, in Dubai, you know, the, in our, our Dubai events, we've uh, we've closed the deal with Yolk Foods, which is pickle. Um, Bond Bird, seventeen sixty two. You know we've got Protein House. You know so we're going to have all all these amazing food options. You know we are we've employed a team um, this year, uh, which we're calling the Mudder Team, which are um, 
know, there's four ladies and a gent, and and their job is just to have fun with people. You know, so um, you know, we we want people to just come out and have a great day out. You know, even if you're not going to run, you know, come down with your kids. There'll be activities for the kids in the village. You know, just come and have a look. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the only message I'd like to you know come out have a look. Um, what we've done as a business is is deliberately kept our ticket prices low. You know, so we you know compared to other other events and uh, our competitors in the market, we are very cost effective. You know, and, and because we want people to come and participate, right? You know, so we do the work in the background to fund our business. You know, via other methods. Um, you know, ticketing revenue makes up quite a small percentage of our of our overall revenue, and and we do this deliberately because we want people to come. You know, we want as many people as possible to come and experience it. Um, you know, we. As human beings, we live a life of convenience, right? We are inherently, I don't want to say lazy, but we're not active enough, right? And uh, we want people to be active. You know, we want people to come down, you know, stretch your legs a little bit, have a bit of fun, you know, and uh, it's, a, it's a very rewarding experience. Absolutely. I think keeping in mind the location, you know, I think all of the locations are absolutely fantastic. Now, Duncan, I have two questions not related to, not related to obstacle course race or business. The first one is regarding aliens. What yeah. are your thoughts on aliens? Do they exist? Are they among us? I'm not sure if they're among us, but I have no doubt whatsoever that they exist. I mean, statistically, it's not possible that they don't exist. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I don't know. It's a, when I look at my ex-wife, I'm pretty sure that I've encountered an alien. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go ahead and edit this part. <laughs> now, the next question that I wanted to ask is, Duncan, one thing about you that many don't know. Hmm, okay, let's think about that. Well, actually, a lot of people are often surprised to um, hear that I'm a prolific reader. So um, I read a lot um, and I read almost anything. Um, so generally people when they visit my house are astounded at all the bookshelves and uh, something like the what you're seeing behind you. Um, oh, okay, like a massive bookshelf, you know. Yeah, multiple and, um, you know, and I've read most things twice on that bookshelf. So. That's great, yeah. I think that's one of the things with books, you know. I do feel that once you start reading books, you have to go back and read it for the second time or third time to get Absolutely. a good grasp of it. So. Just so we've started this initiative amongst our, our staff where we've purchased a number of books, um, you know, and we put them in rotation. And then once a month when we're having our meetings, we will discuss amongst us, you know, what were your learnings from the book, anything interesting? Um, that is great, yeah. Some of our team are, are more into it than others. <laughs> that is definitely a great habit to have, and you know, learning definitely helps you improve your knowledge as well. So, thank you so much, you know, Duncan, for this. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, it's always good and to hopefully, chat. Hopefully, hopefully, see you at the event on 14th of October as well. You know, I'm going to see you, and I'm going to pick on you. <laughs> oh, perfect. Thank you so much, Duncan. Oh, thanks. Cheers. Thanks for coming. Uh, thanks.